enemies are innovative and resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether your solar wave sun or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could a Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome all to Mission Accomplishers. Mission Accomplishers, hosted by Hunter Hawes, Eric Nelson, Saturdays, 7 p.m. here on AM 950, KTNF in the Twin Cities, and... It's like a sauna in here. And we're heard around the globe on iPods. iPods. Does um, anyone still own iPods? If you go on your RSS feed for casts, uh, you can listen to us on iPods. Mission accomplishers on your iPod Zunes now. Zunes too. Zunes, and um, you can download us on Napster, Kazaa, and wherever you Lime get your iPod casts. Yeah. Uh, we're live tonight, folks. So uh, this is the second week in a row. Last week, uh, Eric was MIA, and what exactly happened, Eric? I thought that you had pre-recorded one because my car was out of commission. Because I could not read your, the messages you sent me. It was just a bunch really? of gobbledygook. Yes, it was. I was not, like, impaired in any way. I'll have to reread these messages because I'm pretty sure I thought that it was loud they and clear. Are, I had no idea what was going on. And then I even sent afterwards, I'm not mad. I just want to make sure you're okay. Oh, yeah. I saw a bunch of messages like, why is he worried? Because <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. I was sitting in here. Expecting you to come at some point, and then getting close to seven, I'm like, I guess I'll just do this live. Let's try this. So I, um, my original plan was just to play music of mine and to make it easy, kind of have some space to fill in and talk stories about that. Uh, but then Alex La Liberté, uh, my <sighs> bandmate. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> he did a phenomenal job, it's actually. It's all love. Um, he makes himself easy to despise. No, I was... Well, he does, yeah, of course. But uh, the show That's last week... That's what's likable about him, though. The, the show was great, actually. I was uh, very pleasantly surprised because I had no plan for that situation uh, it felt like a episode of Mission Accomplishers with a just guest fill-in. Mission accomplished, baby. So check that out on your iPod. Uh, so your car broke down? No, it's just an ongoing issue where I my battery's dead, so I have to... I fixed it, kind of half-fixed it. I figured out a solution to it until I get enough money to buy a new car battery. Okay, so here is what I have for your messages. You want to record at like 3, a.k.a. 4? I said, yeah, and then at 4-something, I'm heading over. Then uh, an hour later, your message comes in, Shig, Jug, Seeing, Burther. 
and, mm. uh, and then about... Well, shig is a word we can't say out loud. Well, it's spelled shig, though, in the message, so... The next is... Argh! Then, cars being a... There's a beep! Perfect T-Bone Ming. Oh, okay. So, in the word, car is a blank, but I spelled it correctly. Yeah, that's the one word Before you got right. The dog word. And then it says, that's pretty clearly perfect. The only uh, letter that's yeah, wrong what, is the I don't know what that means. A perfect blank. Um, here, let me scroll up. But I have no idea what any of this means. And then the per- problem. Oh, I meant to say timing. Okay, perfect timing. <laughs> the, 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 the problem is you don't respond then or answer calls. So I have no idea what's going it's on. It's important to remain elusive is my philosophy oh my of life. God. So I am thinking, I see the word car. So I'm like, okay, he's stuck on the side of the road. That's why I'm trying to get a hold of you. I can come get you. Then I'm like, uh-oh, he's not here. Maybe he got arrested or got hurt. And I just, I didn't get a hold of Eric for like days later. And he's just been fine the whole time. Sorry. I took a heat nap that day. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was such a confusing text. <laughs> but nevertheless, we accomplished the mission. And um, this week, we're live again. Um... Enough of that. Let's um, go from being here. To another fiasco. The Gravel Twins? Or the Gravel Teens? Teens, teens. Are they twins? They're not twins. Uh, oh, that sounds reason, I thought nice, they were though. brothers. Uh, they might be. I don't I thought, think they are. I thought are, they were two little boys who were so twins. So what we're talking about is um, Mike Gravel, candidate for president in the Democratic primaries, the oldest candidate in the field, he is a former Alaskan senator in his 80s, and he has qualified or has reached the donor amount to qualify for the Democratic debates. His campaign is being run by a pair of teenagers who are very active in Twitter, social media, a very hip candidacy for a very old former senator and he reached the donor threshold but he will not be at the debates next week. Now were the rules changed at the last minute because the entire time I remember they were running with the argument that we just have to meet this individual donor threshold to not nominate ourselves for the debates. So they did Because their entire point was just to get to the debates, right? Because they initially were motivated by seeing Mike Revel mm-hmm. in a debate with, I think, Hillary Clinton and Obama in, like, 2008. Yes, yeah, so uh, Gravel ran in 2008, and, uh, he, yes, he was on the debate stage. And um, I believe you're right about that, that that is where their enthusiasm, the teenagers who are kind of running this campaign, came from. Uh, as well as just, like, Gravel has done some really cool things, like uh, reading the Pentagon Papers or releasing them into con- Congressional Record. Facing like serious prosecution uh, and just threats of espionage for doing so, but felt it was the right thing to do for the American people to be able to know what was going on in the military and some very horrible acts in Vietnam and um, and so on. But um, 
he uh, the debate rules were that if you had 65,000 individual donations of any dollar amount from uh, individual people, 65,000 different people, that was one. The other was reach at least 1% in three polls that uh, the DNC decides which polls are the relevant, the ones that can be used. When they're running like Quiniac or the CNBC, blah, blah, blah. Yes. So if you reach both, you're guaranteed a spot. If you reach one, then it's the discretion of the DNC on how they decide this. And uh, to be clear, the donor threshold is the much more challenging. Less uh, people match this. Yes. And... Uh, I mean, the big names, they've had trouble reaching it. And uh, like the current senators, uh, a lot of the very prominent politicians have not been able to hit this threshold. And we'll talk about the struggles they're having with this in the later debates, uh, the the fall debates where the bar gets rose a little later. But uh, Gravel reached this very impressive accomplishment, but he will not be at the debate stage because the polls that can be used as a qualifying uh, poll of reaching 1%, his name was not included in the polls. So it was impossible for him to hit 1%. There's many polls out there where you see him with more support than than most what of if these the, guys like Hasker Skill or Duplganger uh-huh. or Bumble Boy, which it's just so frustrating that the DNC has to play this way. Just be open and transparent. Like just, just let him there. He earned his spot. He's, when you do he, shenanigans like this, it it makes people upset. But it shows that that. They the DNC has a brand, and they do not want anyone coming into the debate who's going to, in some ways, affect that brand or attack the targets that they've selected as the ordained serious contenders. Yes, it's. A- I don't think anyone thinks that Gravel's a serious contender, but they don't want him damaging the brands of these people who are, like mm-hmm. uh, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, mm-hmm. uh, Elizabeth Warren. It's. Uh, it's. I mean. Uh, the reason they set it up that way was intentional, was that if they had a, a popular candidate that they could control, oh, they yeah. had a mechanism that they could go, well, those polls don't matter. It's these ones that do. Yeah, it's the illusion of mm. some sort of democratic situation. When people freak out about Democrat versus Democratic, mm-hmm. that's what always frustrates me. Like, well, maybe the Democratic Party should try being more Democratic and then... You know, they'll have an argument to stand on yeah. when they freak out about people changing one or two letters this of the name of the party. Shenanigans like this is the Democrat Party. The, they are in yeah, the title they're being there. Democrat Party right now. Yes. Uh, so, um, who, I forget what the guy's name was that's replacing, uh, so Swalwell will not be at the debate. He dropped out after the first one. Spitzwell. Um, and I say, kind of good riddance. He was um, a little too angsty. He um, a little too excited when he was up there. He um, he kept saying to Are pass you... the torch. What does that mean? 
I know. He just he felt like a uh, a, a little kid uh, trying to get daddy's attention, and uh, it didn't work. So good rinse, Swalwell. But the the person who's replacing him, I forget his name, but it's the Montana governor and a uh, blue dog Democrat. Some other person who we don't have any idea of who they are. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know the name. Another Hickenlooper? Mm-hmm. It's, uh... Who sucks. Uh, I saw Marion Williamson mm-hmm. had not yet qualified for it. I saw that the gravel campaign was pushing people to donate one dollar for Marion Williamson. I think Williamson. that's that's for the uh the fall ones. Because this, oh, one, this isn't even the next uh, debate. This one next week is the same threshold as the first one. Oh okay. it, it didn't get rose at all. So um because most people haven't hit this one yet. <laughs> so uh yeah it's in, if you go look at the list of candidates and what threshold they hit, you see that Gravel's the only one there with the donors that's not in the debate. And then you look at the other ones who hit the donor mark, and it's like, those are the ones that, that are likely to actually win. Well, you were talking to me about Cory Booker mm-hmm. and how he struggled so hard to hit those numbers. Did he ever actually hit it? So um, I believe that he hit the ones for um, the June and July debates. But the September, which will be the... The next one, we got a little one month break from these. Where the criteria raises. Yeah, the bar gets. Bar raises, and the people are going to drop out quick because with the the field as large as it is. It is a clown car right now. Yeah, piles and piles of candidates. So the the next debate threshold is uh, roughly double the amount of donors and then double the polling. So it's uh, 2%, which. Doesn't sound like much, but with a race of 20-plus people, hitting 2% is pretty hard. And you're going to uh, get like 8, 9, 10 people most that can really do that, hit 2% in multiple polls. Uh, so what's going on with that is people realize that if they can't make it to that upcoming debate, the fall debate, their candidacy is over. You can't really get back into it if you're not on the, the stage with the other uh, prominent candidates. Like, you are running a very steep uphill battle if you're trying to stay in it at that point. So they're desperate. They're trying to get donors right now. And uh, people like Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar... Uh, Christian Gillibrand, them specifically have a lot of campaign money on hand from Who are kind past of elections. Mar- larger names you would consider, yes. but still like a shockingly low uh, support among the supporters. Yep. yep, and um, so they they're struggling. They they're realizing that they got to make this happen. So Cory Booker, for example, has spent two point seven million dollars on Facebook and Google ads asking for $1 donations so he can get 100,000 $1 donations. So $2.7 million. Can you just go up to people on the street with $30 and be like, will you please give me $1 back? You know, you can't do that. Um, But can't you sell things? Isn't that a donation? 
So can't they just get clever with selling campaign merch that like was stretching oh, it with merch? Well, how much merch do you have? You have a hundred thousand pieces well, of like two point seven million dollars. You could oh, make so a lot they, happen. So it's not necessarily merch. It's like, hey, do you want to buy a CD? Yeah, so like uh, I'm just saying, probably a smarter idea yeah. than just do you buy continuing to bag? put. Uh, this money into these ads that you're not getting the return on. And that's yeah, what like I want to focus on is, Corey, Amy, why are you putting millions of dollars into Google and Facebook asking for money because you feel you should be there? You're not... Proposing anything unique other than yourself, like your ego, your identity. There, there is nothing attached to uh, why you are asking for this dollar except that you want to be on the debate stage because you are you. Yeah, why do you think that you are special? Why do you That's, think that you are so on? And it, it's very frustrating then to see that that's clearly the, their attitude and if it's not their attitude, that's how it's perceived. Because I don't, I don't see anything else. Whereas at least with Andrew Yang or uh, Inslee, there's an idea attached to it. Yeah, there's Marianne a reason Williamson, to give a dollar. Gravel, mm-hmm. All those people have something unique. Even Hickenlooper, mm-hmm. there's something unique about their candidacy. Yeah. All these other uh, Jill Brand, uh, Cory Booker. What is their? They're, why are they there? And they don't see that. And then. What's so frustrating is they, they put millions of dollars back into Google and Facebook where if you just made – put a little thought into this and uh, consider that maybe it would be a better idea to dump all this money into progressive causes, advertise on our station, advertise in uh, newsletters, newspapers – Blogs, Give us a hundred bucks. Just and then save. Just be upfront. That's like, uh, look, you don't have to vote for me, but consider giving me a dollar so I can be on the debate stage to talk about corporate media, something along those lines. But they don't think of that. They don't have an idea. They just say, "Give me a dollar so I can be there." Yeah, I'll toe the party line, and I'll do the Nancy Pelosi messaging. And they'll offer absolutely nothing. So it's like uh, a good chunk of that, those millions of dollars, uh, was received from Democratic voters, uh, progressive constituents. And their money now is just going to Facebook and Google ads. So it's... Yeah. Jeff Bezos, Larry Page, Sergey Brin. It's just so... The... There's nothing to get excited about when they act this way. It, it, uh, it is. It's like it's so confounding and it's a frustrating. You don't know what to do except like yell. Yeah. Because what is their message? What are they trying to do? I mean, it's just the, the money could be spent in so many better and which would get more and results why are, why as are well. Why are they taken more seriously 
than people like Mike Rebell. Yeah, I know. Why are they a more serious candidate? They're offering, like, oh, we're vanilla number two. Mm-hmm. You liked vanilla number one? <laughs> you didn't even vote for it? Well, how about vanilla number seven? <laughs> yeah, and there's so many. And it's like, yeah, what, what tell? Why are you trying to do this? And then the, uh, what's frustrating, too, is that when they try and do something to kind of stand out from the pack, like um, Kamala Harris with uh, reparations, for example, it's such an insincere backing of an idea because it's saying, yeah, I'm for that. Except when push comes to shove, and I have to actually stand up for anything. But the idea, I'll say, I'm for. Yeah, you never proposed these ideas before four months ago. Because, and as soon as someone pried for specifics with her on that, it was immediately, well, no, no, no. And then the the best she could do was support the the research bill, which. Uh, has been proposed for like two Good. I mean, it's great decades. that people yes. would do that. that. That's good, except she hasn't done yeah. it until now. So uh, <laughs> we promised to vote for you for senator so, next election time. Uh, at least uh, none of these candidates, actually, none of the 25 are for reparations except Marianne Williamson. She's the only legitimate one. She's the only one that can speak about that. Uh, the rest should be challenged fully because it's a completely insincere thing. Uh, and I, I like Bernie's response that uh, he's up front that says uh, he doesn't see a way that that could work. So he's not going to say he's for it. It, it. And it's not against an idea of it. He says that we should focus on the communities and build them uh, because there's no place to start uh, with the level of uh, inequality we have now. Uh, you can't just buy off people. He's being and then, honest and straightforward. Uh-huh, and then gets attacked for it. Where but, Pete Buttigieg, I saw something where he was asked about that, and he was proposing that they start up some sort of collective to study the manifestations of a study to study it. Yeah. And it's like so, like... I want to tear the rest of the hair out of my head because mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense. And yeah, the, you're just not saying no. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that—that's what is so frustrating. And then they run with it sometimes. It's if, if they well, like, they, they run with it until the point that people, because they realize, like, at a certain point, people are just going to stop paying attention because yeah. we just throw a lot of noise mm-hmm. out there. So I, I always appreciate the honest candidate, even if it comes from a place that I don't necessarily agree. I, I appreciate that I know where they're coming from, at least. A you, lot more than the... You at least have a position. Yeah, a lot more than what most of them have been doing and just trying to appeal to everyone and just never say no. And it's... It's like, okay. That's what people don't like about politics or politicians uh, in general. And then... There's room for maybe two of you guys at the table. Yeah. Then, like, Pete Buttigieg maybe has, like, the charisma. Mm-hmm. You know, Biden has the name recognition. Yeah. Beyond that, it's like, get out of the race. You guys mm-hmm. are not going to make it. Mm-hmm. So that will be nice when it, it actually starts uh, tightening up and... Um, the hammer starts coming yeah, down. Yeah, but in the meantime, when there's still these giant races, 
put the guys who are interesting in. Yeah. Put the people who are going to expand the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I liked um, de Blasio in that. Uh, de Blasio wasn't bad. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't, uh, wasn't expecting much, but it was like, oh, wow. And that was pleasant surprise. Was at least it, like, capable of answering questions mm-hmm. in kind of confrontational ways. And then, well, here's another interesting thing that's going to happen at this second debate is the first night you have the b- two big names are Bernie and uh, Elizabeth Warren, and then the rest are kind of just the um, the centrist. Uh, but that will be a good showdown. I know. It's an interesting lineup right there because really it's uh, – that's going to be a battle is the, the Bernie, Warren, and um, – the, the eventually uh, the two coalitions are going to come together for the most part, and that's going to be a force in the race. So this is kind of going to be the first contrast to see the difference of the two, and that it it will play out well as because of all the centrist candidates there too to see how those two are different, and then mm-hmm. to see the difference between them. So that should be really interesting, actually. Yeah, it'll be kind of like the play out between like Tom Perez and Keith Ellison, remember? Mm-hmm. They were trying to push Keith Ellison. The DNC came in with like, well, we have Tom Perez. He has mm-hmm. all the same policy position. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, he's the exact same guy. And everyone's asking, well, why can't we just run Keith Ellison then if he's the exact same guy? Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what we're seeing between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I like Elizabeth Warren a little more than Tom Perez. I, I, I agree with <laughs> you. I yeah, like I see Elizabeth what you're Warren. Saying. She's the safer. But she's she's, she's the, the ordained yeah. like candidate by the party. The party's going like, oh, let's. You guys like Bernie yeah. Sanders? Well, how about Elizabeth Warren? Because she has like basically the same beliefs, but we like push her. And I wonder why that is too. It's because like, she can. She'll bend when because her philosophy is not based primarily in some sort of social democracy. Yeah. I think that she represents like this neoliberal neoliberal policy that's based on like charts and data and plans where Bernie is like a big idea guy. Uh-huh. They have a little more idea of what but she's going to do. She has a lot of good welfare ideas and no, like I, I absolutely think that a, no matter who becomes president, I would love for Elizabeth Warren yeah. to be in her you know group in, in her cabinet and but it, what i mean is just she she does things that that kind of uh toe the party line establishment uh, figures that they that they aren't talking about that they're like um that they don't want to go there so i don't know why she's the the safe option because i think that she's easily compromised i think that if she feels enough that. pressure She'll bend to well, the will. Well, we've seen like w- uh, her endorsing Hillary last time, and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I mean, Bernie did too. And of course, you should endorse Hillary over Donald Trump. Well, no, I meant endorsing uh, Hillary instead of Bernie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and man, was that really something that none of these politicians expected to bite them as hard as it did. Like, everyone thought just, oh, we, we endorse Hillary because Bernie doesn't stand a chance, and then uh, maybe I'll get a job out of it. But mm. it, it, that became really a litmus test, and the people who didn't do it, who ended up 
staying and uh, like publicly supporting Bernie gained a huge following since then. Uh, their prominence just skyrocketed. Yeah, I mean, who did? Like, I know Tulsi Gabbard. Or, uh, Keith Ellison Keith was Ellison, one. Yeah. There wasn't many is the thing, though. Um, yeah, it was a very small handful of people. Yeah, and especially early on. I know that, like, um, none, neither of ours, uh, Al Frank and Amy Klobuchar, that were Hillary right away. Um, the, I mean, everyone yeah. basically was. It's, and at the time, it's almost hard to blame them. It's like, yeah, okay. But, like... Um, Nina Turner, um, the oh, okay. you the people who did def, like have received a positive boost of support and whatever Absolutely. they're That's doing. That's probably the single like best endorsement yeah. you could have made in that previous election. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's <laughs> that 2016 election just really highlights so many of the things that are wrong um, because the fact that. Everyone felt afraid to do anything like that. Uh, yeah, it seemed like it was, I mean, I remember like a year before the election, I was sitting with my friends outside at what is soon to be the anti-Semitic uh, oh, gay bar. Nice. And we were talking about politics, and I was saying like, no, it's just going to be Hillary Clinton. Don't worry about it. Like, this is dumb to even talk about. Like, it was... Like Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton, and like, I, I know. it's like yeah, it's gonna be Jeb Bush, Hillary Clinton, and Hillary Clinton's gonna win. Don't worry. And then I was completely proven wrong. Yeah, and um, it was an important lesson, and um, that was what I was talking with Brett this week about. He was saying he brought up the proposal, like just as a contrarian idea. It wasn't someone he was actually backing, but that I. Uh, it, if Donald Trump wins re-election, it could it's a good thing. Like um, it potentially for this next one. I mean, yeah. we have not seen a bigger growth in the left since so I can remember I, in my whole lifetime. Uh, I'll summarize quick. It was uh, he's saying that um, basically what he fears could happen is. Democrat takes over, and then inevitably we have this economic crash and recession, and it, it all gets blamed on oh, yeah, yeah. the Democratic Party. Um, so then that people I think just I was talking with Brett about this. So that's a, a real possibility, and I do see that. Uh, my fear was that since 2016, and having Donald Trump win, and Mitch McConnell continue to be Mitch McConnell. I fear that you have Donald Trump in office and you have an economic crash. The Republicans seize power without. It doesn't matter what the uh, future elections say. They find ways to manipulate the courts and so on that they just stay in permanent power through a crisis. Um, so that's my fear is that things have changed so much since 2016. I see that though. I do see like Democrats, there's an argument that they are attempting to tank this next election just because they know that an economic crash is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it's, it's quite, quite, quite a different, different playground. Um, so, um, 
this week, um, no, uh, we're going to take a break here quick. We're going to play a song. Uh, tune in. says Mission Accomplishers with Hunter Haas, Eric Nelson. We're live this week. So if you want to speak out, send us an email at comment at am950radio.com. And we will read it, get in touch, uh, but we'll be back in a couple minutes. is a song by yours truly actually uh, and I um, that was a song I made here in Minnesota one of the more recent but post musical career of Hunter House um, career changes people were encouraging me to make another one this week with the news of Scott Jensen retiring or just not seeking office again. What, make him use to celebrate it? They, he decided he's not going to run because uh, he's got a lot of problems because he's been more of a uh, renegade maverick senator than the Republican caucus is used to, and um, he's just over it. 
But everyone wants Donald Trump till they got their own. <laughs> but it's a bad boy philosophy. People started calling because this is my district and encouraging me to run. And um I didn't want to. <laughs> Don't do that. That's I a said, nightmare. I said, though, start sending the fundraising money, and then I'll decide. Let's see what we can do. But no, I really, at this point in time especially, do not have interest in seeking political public office and them going through my life and just watching politicians and what they deal with with anger towards um, towards them from both sides the 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 like party you're a part of the opposing party and all you're trying to do is really help people the way you think and everyone's mad at you about something I do think that politicians are not willing enough to engage in that anger like when mean? someone approaches you with anger and they're yelling at you, you know, you're not going to do this, you're not going to do this, not going to do this. Acknowledge their anger I and think... meet them with anger and say, no, I'm trying to help you, you idiot. Oh, I see what you're saying. They don't do that. Yeah. Well, um, I think that that does have but... some sort of like beneficial and cathartic aspect to it where some if people see that a politician is being genuine, uh -huh. if they can feel the actual like emotion behind their policies, they're more willing to accept it. I think, though... Where people are so used to, like, hearing these messages. Like, when I speak to politicians, it's so obvious when they're doing, like, weird little fake tricks. Like, things like, oh, they restate your name. Because, like, oh, I definitely heard your name. You're being heard. You're being listened to. I know. But you you have, like, a layer too <laughs> deep on what you're observing. I hear it, dude. Thinking. I'm a monk. I know. But some of it is... <laughs> it's like, not, it's not, not real. I, it's real. I just can see through it. I'm like Neo in the Matrix. I know, but some of it is just like manners, and you learn how to like. Behave I know. I with don't people. like manners. I hate manners. Uh, like manners be at a certain point. It's like, oh, do you live in England in a castle? Ridiculous, though. Is you're just doing it so that you have more harmony with people around you. It's not. There's. It's an artificial uh, harmony. That's not. Always true. You're, you're it's not always assume. true, and there are people who I've met who are extremely like proper, and I can sense that it's like, oh, that just comes naturally to you. You're just a very pleasant person, and you like getting along with people. And then I also sense when people are like, oh, these are the tactics I have to use to manipulate people. <laughs> it's how do you ever enjoy life? Like, I don't. With <laughs> I don't enjoy life. I'm constantly like thinking about people's yeah. strategies. I'm constantly analyzing people and constantly testing them. I mean, because <laughs> I I could see that. It, but I'm not ever saying that you're wrong with your thinking. I, I do believe for the most part you're always you're, you're getting at the core of it, but. It's kind of unnecessary it's often. <laughs> no, it's not pleasant. You shouldn't live like me. Yeah, so I, a, I would never. <laughs> That's, it's painful. Because um, I learned that, yeah, it makes me miserable when I, I do things like that. Because I had more of an attitude like that when I was younger. and This is not an attitude, though. This is just a state of being. I, I cannot choose to do or not do it. Yeah, um... I I 
lived that way and over time realized that it didn't make me happy and I had to find a different way to start thinking about things. I mean, there's ways that I can approach it. Like if anyone meets me with some sort of like passive aggression, like when people talk about like Minnesotans passive aggressive, Uh passive aggressive, I can kind of filter that out. Just be like, oh, I'm just going to take you for your word no matter what. Even though I know that you're doing this as like a rude little like side remark, Uh I'm just going to take you 100% sincerely and be like, oh, and you thank me for showing oh, up sure. late or something like that? that? Like, that, that oh, that yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Because I knew that you'd need a little more time. <laughs> and it drives people crazy. Yeah, no, that that is a good one, actually. And um, <laughs> you do completely flip the switch on them uh, if you're, you're able to do it yeah. and be unaffected by it. It's like when people are like uh, any sort of road rage or something, someone's getting really mad. Mm-hmm. Just give them a thumbs up and like a smile and a wave. Yeah. And nothing drives people more crazy than seeing their anger met with like, uh, like a certain certain amount of like uh, appreciation and just enjoyment mm-hmm. of their like emotions. Yeah, no, and absolutely, and th- that is a really uh, a useful thing to kind of explore in your own life. Uh, um, learn to live on life's terms is uh, being able to because life really is just the story you tell yourself. Uh, your experience in it, uh, it's, it's your mind. You're creating what things are, and you're going to have to live in that. Uh, whatever, However you perceive it, uh, it, whether it's misery or contentment, it's you reinforcing it over mm-hmm. and over again. Uh, so if you're able to do tactics like that and have to be sincere it's very useful to kind of your just well-being and like most of the time you know people will say like oh i had this weird interaction someone said this something to me at a bar or something like that mm-hmm. i was talking with a friend today he's like oh you should have just laughed it off mm-hmm. or if you don't laugh it off then just treat them with like hostile levels of optimism like where you just freak them out yeah uh the that I I see so many I don't know if it's a Minnesota thing or if it's a well I do think it is a Minnesota thing the term uh, Minnesota nice uh, no I was gonna say that um, there is a lot of discontentment and just uh, here in Minnesota and young people young men. Uh, just a lot of resentment towards everything and just not trusting, um, really feeling that the world is out to get them. I, I just think, think that that's a lot of like masculine insecurity. Yeah. And, but they I feel uncomfortable with their masculinity in some way and they always think that someone's trying to emasculate them. Mm-hmm. Where it's like if someone's not being directly aggressive to you, mm-hmm. then brush it off. Like, yeah. If someone's not like standing there like, we're going to fight right now. Then I'm like, oh, okay, keep going, man. I had uh, one of me and Eric's good friends. Uh, he He's just known for overreacting and creating stories in his head and uh, blowing things out of proportion and then bringing everyone down with him. Uh, and I had just moved back here fairly recent, within a few months, and I was 
DJing First Avenue for the first time. So it was a big deal oh, to now me. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a big deal, and I was excited. And the towards the end of the night, um, I think I was packing up, and I was in the DJ booth, and he was standing on the side, like kind of right by the door, and there was... A, the DJ that was playing, there was me, and then there was a, a girl who was running lights in the booth. So she was working, and he <laughs> he's standing by the door, and out of the blue, nothing to provoke this, he tells the girl, F you, I hope you die. And we all just drop our jaws and go, what? And... It came from that he thought that she was looking at him at a way that she felt that she was better and that he didn't belong. When then I talked to her and it turns out that was her party. Or she was the boy girlfriend of um, the one completely in charge of it all. And she works the lights for it. So she was working and thought that. He was my friend, so she was looking at him to say, you can come back here if you want. So, completely the opposite of what reality was to what he was convinced that was going on. That he would go out and yell that, and I was furious at the time, because like, well, thanks, you ruined my First Avenue connection, I'll never be back. Who's that guy who was the friend who threatens to kill people or something? (laughs) Have you seen the Key and Peel? Uh, there's a skit between two friends who are just one is like having a good time, like, oh, thanks, man. I'll see you soon. And the other friend is just interpreting it in the worst possible way. The other friend is interpreting it in the best no. possible way. And they're both completely discongruous. Uh-huh. And I think the whole day they're talking about meeting up. And one friend's just like, oh, yeah, man. Thanks. Like, you're unbelievable. <laughs> and then the other friend's like, unbelievable? What? <laughs> and then they That's, show up at the thing, and one guy's ready to, like, kill the other guy. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, man, I have such a good friend. You know, that, and that's what really um, dating is. It's to find out if you have that or not. Like, are you going to perceive everything as miserable, horrible, and are you going to make everything much more complicated than it needs to I be? I mean, I have an old theory that most of human altercations— are based on miscommunication. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if everyone's being super honest, assuming you're not dealing with a narcissist or uh-huh. like a sociopath, everyone wants the best for each other. Yeah. Um, I know because it, it goes across culture, it goes across just uh, history, time. Uh, that f- You either yeah. misunderstand the group that the person belongs to or you misunderstand the message they're sending. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants the best for each other. Well, the other thing that um, uh, creates all altercations is heat, because oh yeah, that well that speeds people's brains up and they just start getting aggro. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to look at that because um, heat, um, all wars escalate in heat, and all like major conflicts. Like if you could go look at really throughout history um, when things like. When things heat up, uh, in war, the temperature rose. Yeah, and violent crime. Yeah, violent crime. That's the other thing. Is is uh, a crime 
in general spikes and i i mean you notice it uh i get short with people uh and and catch it in the heat and like i attribute it to it and it is like i do not like i like the heat but at the same time like there's a certain like personal bubble you have right uh-huh. I think it might shrink in the heat, but once yeah. someone pervades that bubble, yeah. once they enter that, you just, like, just get out, get out. Yeah. It's like a almost violent reaction as opposed to, oh, I don't like this. Yeah, the cold kind of, you're fit, like, I don't know, is it something like more communal? Like, because you know you got to stay alive? Well, there's it? a very funny picture of a, you're helpless. of a bus stop in Norway in the middle of winter. And it's an entire block, and there's about seven people spread 20 feet apart on a block just waiting for this bus to come. <laughs> just individuals, 20 feet, one person. 20 feet, one person. <laughs> Wait, and then that's a... Uh, well, it? it's because the colder the climate, yeah. the larger your sphere of personal space is. Because? Just because of, I don't know, human society or sociology or whatever it is. I don't know why it necessarily is, but even though the spheres shrink as temperatures increase, once you invade that space, the reaction becomes more violent. Ah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. um, Because when you're hot, you're just like kind of irritated. Yeah. And you're ready to like blow up on people. I, I, I am a wreck lately this summer. It's really bothered me. Um, it, the, 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 we talked about it, but the, the, the car really adds to it because getting well, yeah, anywhere. you have no AC, <laughs> no anything. Um, I mean, I, I, I've had this uh, my whole life, but this summer I really feel that it's gotten to my like head. And uh, I can't. I forget things all the time lately, like uh, yeah, it losing things, um, just misplacing keys, wallets, stuff like that. Do you ever just do the, uh, over and over I again forgot my lately. wallet, let me go back downstairs to grab my wallet, and then you walk back up to your car and you're like, oh, I put my keys down when I grab my yes. wallet. Do that like four times? No, it's, I mean, I do that all the time, but it's absolutely absurd what's going on since like June, July, and... Uh, how much time is wasted looking for things and re-losing them. Um, this, it's yeah. driving me nuts. I'm getting stressed and like, uh, no, it's actually getting bad because then I start going like, Ugh, I, I'm the problem like, uh, and get insecure about it. Well, and, I mean, who do you blame? Uh, yeah, I know. You are the problem, right? Yeah. Uh, well, don't feed into this right now because <laughs> it's real. But... Uh, <laughs> Sometimes we are the problems. God. Uh, good thing this show's almost You've got to buy into the Eric theology that we are the problem. I do not want to buy purged. into that at all. Um, but um, to cure uh, this, this heat, well, not to cure. How about I've been looking into potential mm, solutions, potential help for... This summer, and just not liking the heat, struggling through it because uh, buy some old fashioned parasols. What are parasols? Uh, little umbrellas to block the heat from you. Oh, yeah, those, those I haven't seen anyone do that. I've but, never seen a person do that in my entire life. Yeah. I've only seen it in like Gustav. Klimt's I know, but they were all paintings. Yeah, 
you did see it uh, growing up. Like, I feel I like cartoons had. Yeah, I you see it in cartoons. You see it in like cartoons where people wear gloves as just a casual wardrobe function. Yeah. Okay, but. Um, so the the other problem I've had with the heat is dehydration all the time because the car I sweat I just sweat 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 so uh, regardless of how much I drink because I don't love beverages I uh, uh, I'll switch to all hydrating um, like. Things to aid in that. Yeah, Drinking he's rotating milk. like seven different kinds of beverages. He's got milk. He's got lemonade. He's got uh, energy drinks. He's got sports drinks. I mean, drinks. I, I, energy drinks I haven't even been doing lately because of the dehydrating part. But um, so I just can't get it. I'm just always dehydrated. And at the end of the day, I notice it when I wake up, it's really bad because uh, then you're sleeping and you didn't have enough liquid. And uh, it, it, it's Cause adding to these problems, so I'm like, what can I do about it? First, I look into supplements, and and eh, they're kind of boring. I didn't see anything that good. I ordered something that I don't know. I'll coming. show you some cool Chinese markets. Well, I love stuff like that, which same thinking got me to where I started exploring, and I found the IV Spa. Well, the health spa with IV drip bags. So to cure your hydration, just like a hospital, get a saline drip bag filled with electrolytes, nutrients right into the bloodstream. I have some experience with this. When I was in fourth grade, I got violently sick at summer camp, started mm -hmm. vomiting nonstop, went to the hospital. They're like, you are severely dehydrated. They stabbed an IV bag into my throat, let it run all the way down to my gullet. <laughs> and it worked? Oh, yeah, baby. I was fluid so, full. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, whoa, cool. Uh, so they have these clinics, spas, actually, all around nowadays. And they got them here in Minnesota in the more affluent areas. So uh, the Edinas, the Minnetonkas. Um, problem is they're very expensive to go here. So, I imagine. They're stabbing a little... Hypodermic needle into you? Yeah. That's got to be it's, pricey. It's a um, upper class thing, so I'm like, I don't know how I can make this happen. That's um, Hollywood action. But uh, the people who go there, uh, hangovers is a big one, but then there's beauty. Ooh, there's hangovers? Uh, that probably works like magic. Oh, it does. It absolutely does. And um, I hear, I haven't tried it yet, but um, beauty and health, um, they, they have all these reasons. So I reached out. I'm like, um, Hey, would you be interested? Uh, I'm very interested in trying this out, doing a segment on the radio. Uh, would you be interested in some sort of trade? And they are. So, Are we doing that right now? We're not doing it right now, but um, oh. look forward to that in the future. Never mind. It sounds uh, like bullshit. Ah. Ah. <laughs> well, that's all for this week. Uh, we will see you next week on Mission Accomplishers. Uh, Saturday, 7 p.m., AM 950. Uh, KTNF. Keep on keeping on, baby. Twin Cities, Minnesota. I'm waiting for Eric to put the song on. Um, AM 950 radio.com. Bye bye.